Hey everyone, Lee here. Uh, in a year marred with pro wrestling deaths uh, of all kinds, uh, Hannah Kimura, Shad Gaspar, um, all the the of course old veterans that have that have gone gone by. Not to say that their deaths are any less important than anyone else or meaningful, uh, but there's been a lot this year. Um, and the one that has touched me closest is that of John Huber, who passed away. Uh, supposedly over Christmas, uh, we all just kind of learned December 26th that he had passed. You may know him as Luke Harper from WWE. You may know him as Mr. Brody Lee from AEW. Um, it's going to read their their statement on the matter that that kind of broke and and like many, when I saw this, I was in complete disbelief. The All Elite Wrestling family is heartbroken and industry filled with good people. John Huber was exceptionally respected and beloved in every way. A fierce and captivating talent, a thoughtful mentor, and simply a very kind soul that starkly contradicted his persona as Mr. Brody Lee. John's love for his wife Amanda and children Brody and Nolan uh, was evident to all of us who were fortunate to spend time with him. Um, and we send our love and support to his beautiful family today and always John's popularity among... His peers and influence on the wrestling world was worldwide and transcended AEW, so this loss can be felt by many for a long time. Uh, we are privileged at AEW to call John Huber a brother, a friend, and one of our own. Uh, he had his release from WWE, of course, and everybody was hoping AEW was in his future, and, and sure enough it was. He took the mantle as the leader of the Dark Order there uh, and really elevated them from kind of a sideshow heel stable into something that was so much more, and uh, even in his absence in the previous few months, uh, it, it like it's it's clear how much he elevated. It's clear how much he himself was capable of, uh, and and I'd like to say you know at the age of forty one years old he was a rising star in pro wrestling. Not everyone makes it to the level he does, even in WWE when you could say he was criminally underutilized, uh, being a guy who had ideas, a guy who could talk, but he looked like he looked. And Vince McMahon booked him like he booked him. And uh, as as long as I had been watching WWE when I came back at that SummerSlam where Brock Lesnar suplexed John Cena 16 times, whatever year that was, 2015, 2016, uh, I took a liking uh, to Luke, Luke Harper there and just kind of, you know, learned about about the man. And, uh, and yeah, Reed, Reed as well. We're both huge fans. We're all huge Luke Harper fans, and we were so happy to see him uh, being utilized in AEW, being pushed, uh, you know, getting his main event championship win, uh, and seeing that, man, this guy is, is so very capable. Uh, and, and it's not to say in hindsight, they're like, man, I wish he had found that, like, AEW came into being in the last year uh, for a reason here, that, like, they, they will now be brought together uh, in his passing here. And uh, I think they will all be stronger for it uh, as a family, as a unit. Caring for one another, uh, I think that's uh, a beautiful thing to come out of this. This uh, we learned from his uh, his his wife, I guess, uh, that he had been da uh, battling some kind of non-COVID-related lung issue, uh, and that it had come back up in recent in recent weeks. He had to drop the title, the TNT title, back to Cody, who then in turn uh, dropped it to Darby, and things seemed odd. It seemed weird that. That that AW with so much forethought in their booking would have this be the way of things uh, that he wouldn't continue to hold the belt and that if it was going to be dropped to Darby that Darby wouldn't just take it himself uh, and then Brody Lee disappeared uh, he dropped the title and disappeared off of TV no one knew anything about him the dirt sheets no one knew uh, except for very few people close to him 
uh, what he was going through. And apparently he had been uh, hospitalized in the ICU for, for literal months. People not knowing what's going on with him, how he's doing. Uh, he was at the Mayo Clinic. Um, and uh, he passed away. And that's it. At the age of 41. Snuffed out like that. Uh, this is a man who loved his family first. Wrestling second. Uh, absolutely, absolutely adored his kids. There is nothing but positive stuff pouring out on the internet for this guy. And listen, uh, let's let's talk about wrestling as an industry. Uh, not all the time when someone passes away are there all good stories to be said about them. Or do they pass away with something so unrelated uh, to, to pro wrestling itself? That This is a disease that this man dealt with and still chose the profession of pro wrestling. And uh, by God, he was good at it. And it's, uh, it's very heartbreaking. Uh, you, you read through some of the social media responses from other wrestlers in WWE uh, talking about very specific stories about this man backstage. Uh, here, in the very short time, a lot of the AEW wrestlers were with this guy. Uh, how much of a light he was, which is so contradictory to the characters he played on TV. Uh, hearing stories about in WWE how he took pride in making his shirts look like he took a sh like he wiped his ass with them literally uh when in reality he maybe had some of the cleanest best smelling ring gear in the game uh <laughs> a man who cared and uh he will be deeply 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 missed and this uh this more than any other wrestling death uh is is completely shocking to me uh people are comparing it very directly to Eddie Guerrero's passing and uh i i can see that uh you know Eddie had other things going on Eddie <laughs> Had some things that were maybe a little more self-inflicted, but shocking nonetheless. Tragic nonetheless. And, uh, yeah, there's there's really no words. Uh, you know, you see pro wrestling, this carny organization, but you see how they rally behind uh, the families and, and people who are in their circle. How they protect their own. How you see someone like CM Punk is like, well, two months of my t-shirt sales on pro wrestling tees are going to go to his family, obviously. Uh, the Jacksons basically saying, like... Like, you're part of our family now, don't worry about it. And you know Tony Khan and uh, Chris Jericho and those kind of guys are endlessly generous, politics aside, uh, that you know uh, there's people cutting checks, that money, that will not be a problem for, for his family. Apparently there was a uh, something they recorded after a Dynamite taping where Kenny Omega dropped, like, the AEW championship to his son or something like that, and they presented him with an AEW championship. And I guess at that point they knew things... Uh, we're, we're not going and, and the, like this got out people knew about this and uh, couldn't really put two and two together even when people saw the literal post that this man had passed away it was uh, completely completely and utterly unbelievable um, that this earth has lost a good man never mind a pro wrestler someone who uh, you know just a satellite uh, that was finally, you know, getting the shot, the the shot, the spotlight on him that he deserved, that he so eloquently proved uh, that that he deserved uh, in AEW, and that company will be so strong, so tight knit after something like this. What happens with the Dark Order from here? This man's legacy uh, and and what they he did in the first year of this this company's, you know, if AEW goes on for decades, knock on wood. Uh, this man will be honored forever. They've they've scrapped their plans for a show this week, as have I. <laughs> um, they're they're changing around Wednesday's show to be a tribute to Brody Lee, involving matches, some really good looking matches uh, with members of the Dark Order, and then I'm sure tributes to Luke Harper throughout, which is a classy move to do, especially because they had a loaded card going into their New Year's Bash uh, two week extravaganza here. 
Uh, so you you need not look very far uh, on the R.I.P. Brody Lee hashtag to find story after story of how great this man was. Uh, we are going to review AEW Dynamite after the music break here uh, from this previous week before Christmas. Uh, I will be taking a break from Sultans of Slam this next week uh, for the Brody episode, but I will be back the week after to review the uh, the first would it be the first Dynamite of the year as well as my thoughts on the Brody episode because of course I will be tuning in to that. Uh, there's, there's some lovely video of John Huber talking himself about what wrestling and his family means to him. And, uh, he can't keep it together. This is is a guy that when, when those interviews were taking place, he was like a big hairy monster guy. Uh, and you hear how passionate he was about wrestling, uh, and, and wanted to make it better. Knew he was capable of, of giving so much more and, uh. And, and maybe now he's he's given more than he'll ever know or that we will ever be able to quantify or, or assign directly to John Huber, the people he has touched in his short time in AEW, in his full time at, at WWE for all those years uh, going forward. Uh, you know, maybe everybody hugs their kid one extra time. And if that's his, his um, that's what he leaves behind, then by God, he did good. Uh, I don't have much more to say. This is absolutely, absolutely devastating, tragic. Uh, still coming to terms with waking up in the morning and just realizing this guy's not. I, I didn't realize it's one of those things where you just like you don't realize you care so much about a kind soul and you just take for granted that they'll be around that when they they go missing uh, from TV or something like that. Like oh they're you know they're working it's wrestling. He'll be he'll be back uh, and in this case he will not. Uh, so we are going to do a music music break. We are going to talk about AEW Dynamite. And uh, like I said, I'll be taking a week off this next week for Sultans. Look for us in the new year in 2021. Um, we have the four hour long Pokemon conversation, uh, public beta podcast compilation to go listen to and public beta podcast will be taking place this Wednesday as well, where we talk about cyberpunk. So thank you all for listening, uh, you know, bearing with us and, uh, without further ado, saving it up Friday night with the Sultan. Welcome to the Sultans of Slam for December 28th, 2020. I couldn't be bothered to take my own notes this week. It's Christmas, goddammit. But I did watch AW Dynamite, and I thought it was a pretty good show. Uh, so I looked into some of the audio issues that you've heard me complain about on previous episodes of this. And uh, apparently the Fight Network version, which is apparently the version I'm most commonly watching, is the one that has the audio issues, including the any live or whatever. Just the audio is just worse overall on that version of the show. Uh, so I guess take my complaints with a grain of salt, although I'm not the only one watching that version of the show. So AEW, if for some reason you're listening to this, uh, just know that uh, not all of your produced podcasts are going out at the same level of quality. Uh, however, I do like being able to watch through the picture-in-picture breaks and hear the uh, commentary, especially in this episode where we got Eddie Kingston on commentary for a match with a lot of uh, a good Eddie Kingstonisms um, throughout that I would have missed if there was a commercial break. All right. Let's get down to it. This show was for December 23rd. It's their holiday show. We open with the inner circle uh, consisting of Chris Jericho and MGF versus top flight Darius and Dante Martin. 
Uh, Jericho and Darius trade shots. Darius connects with a quick enziguri, and Top Flight showcase some double teaming. Both teams square off in the middle of the ring and exchange strikes. Top Flight connect with stereo corner punches along with stereo drop kicks. Uh, distraction by Jake Hagar at ringside allows the inner circle to isolate Dante. He fights off a suplex, a superplex rather, from Jericho and lands a high cross body. This allows him to make the tag. Darius hits a standing splash, uh, sorry, Spanish fly on Jericho and lands a dive to the floor onto MJF. He re-enters the ring with a missile dropkick on MJF. MJF blocks a powerbomb from Dante with a powerbomb. That's the best way to do it. Uh, Jer- fire with fire, as it were. Jericho adds a lion salt for a near fall. Dante tries to pick, uh, tr- tries a quick roll-up uh, on Jericho to no avail. Top flight lands some insane double-team maneuvers. Hardly um, know how to call it here. Darius hits a double DDT on the inner circle, uh, which was a uh, reversal of a of like a body slam or something like that. Hagar gets involved again and trips up. Darius, MJF hits the Heat Seeker. A massive heat seeker for the win here. Uh, another great showcase for these young guys. Top flight um, shows some synergy here at the inner circle. And in, in keep you know they are working together. Hagar, Jericho, MJF. This is a unit. Uh, after the match, of course, Hagar complains about Wardlow's absence these past two weeks. Hagar says uh, he spoke to Tony Khan and he will be wrestling Wardlow next week. Uh, so yeah, in the AW, if you're a wrestler, you can just go see the boss and be like, I, w- I want a piece of that piece of that guy. Uh, so yeah, Hagar uh, and Wardlow will fight. Whoop whoop de doo. Uh, Wardlow seems like, depending on how long this inner circle thing is going, because obviously something there will be some major shakeup with the inner circle that this is building to at some point. Does Wardlow get out uh, on his own before that all happens? Uh, or anyway, they're gonna the, these two big hosses are gonna uh, sort out their differences next week. This is a great match. Uh, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. This whole show had some really decent, like, pro wrestling. Nothing like, wow, blew me away. Uh, but everything was really, really solid. Uh, even Butcher and Pac, which, uh, you know, right on. <laughs> All right. So we get a, a rap video uh, from the acclaimed mocking the Young Bucks in anticipation of their match tonight. This was fine. Again, if it, if it must exist, it's actually pretty good. Tony Schiavone is in the ring with Sting. Sting says that he has come full circle by being back on TNT. I'm pretty sure Sting has said this exact same thing on one of the other weeks he has wandered out here. Uh, He talks about his uh, time as a young wrestler watching Dusty Rhodes because of Dusty Sting Dawn face paint for the first time. When he saw Cody in AEW, he had to be a part of it. The crowd chants welcome home. Team Taz interrupts and accuses Sting of being completely selfish. Team Taz starts uh, walking to the ring, but the lights go off. When they uh, come back on, Darby Allen is in the ring. Taz announces that Darby will defend the TNT uh, title against Brian Cage on January 6th. Team Taz walks away. Darby walks away while staring at Sting. Uh, they show a video of MJF visiting Santana Ortiz backstage. MJF explains uh, to Santana uh, that he has had a recent death in his family as well and that he's here for him. Santana seems to react warmly to that. Just a uh, nice warm moment. Uh, is MJF... A shot, like th- he's he's for shoot MJF like lost his grandfather or something very recently. You have to also remember that MJF is like twenty three or something. Like this is a man. When you hear a wrestler has lost his grandfather, you're like, what? Vince McMahon's own mother is still alive, and she's like, it's like Mr. Burns. She's in her well into her hundreds. Uh, so when you hear grandfather passed away, you're like, how old must he be? But no, MJF's uh, a young guy. This really happened. Working it into an angle here, and uh, yeah. The Dark Order, Cole Cabana, 5 and 10, versus Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt, who 
haven't been seen as a, as a full unit around AEW Dynamite for quite a while, uh, if memory serves. Stunt surprises Cabana with a Hurricane Rana and a dropkick. Jungle Boy catches five for the dropkick and hits a leg drop. Luchasaurus kicks away for, uh, a kick from ten and levels him with a brutal chop. Uh, Jurassic Express continually uses stunt uh, as a projectile as they gain momentum. Dark Order used some double teaming to isolate Jungle Boy. We head to commercial back from break. Jungle Boy finds life with a lariat on 10 and makes the tag. Luchasaurus cleans house with a series of strikes and they looked awesome. Luchasaurus looked really good in this match. He hits a wheelbarrow German suplex on 5. Looked great. Luchasaurus falls with a choke slam into a standing moonsault. Uh, stunt catches Cabana. Uh, with a crossbody off of Luchasaurus's shoulders. Five hits a frog splash on Stunt for a near fall. Jungle Boy super kicks five. Luchasaurus military presses Stunt to the floor onto ten and Cabana. Jungle Boy hits a powerbomb on five for the victory. Here we got Jungle Boy getting W's on this AEW Dynamite. Uh, Jurassic Express looked great here uh, as a unit. You know, maybe the best ever. Luchasaurus was, was on fire. Uh, good, good stuff. Tony Schiavone interviews Jurassic Express after the match. FTR and Tully Blanchard appear on the big screen. Tully challenges Jurassic Park, as he put it, uh, to a match on January 6th. FTR's angle, of course, is that these guys are like making a joke of the tag division. Uh, it'll be up to us to make a joke of the tag division. Alex Marvez is with Kenny Omega and Don Callis at their hotel. A couple of Winnipeggers. Callis complains about the wrestlers running the show in AEW that they can just make their own matches. This is fucking awful. Omega points out that all the times that Ray Phoenix has fallen short in the past year, Omega tells Phoenix that he can always go back to AAA after he loses in his AEW title match. Uh, Omega's promo was actually very short and sweet here. One of the better ones he's done. Uh, in, in Don Callis' shadow, who usually takes the majority of the promo time, but Kenny Omega was awesome here. And, and really pointed uh, call out to Ray Phoenix as well. Who is expected to lose. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's just like, man, this cocky motherfucking heel. But on one hand, you also know that Ray Phoenix isn't beating this guy. So, ugh. Uh, the Butcher versus Pac. Eddie Kingston joins commentary. Butcher tries to assert his power advantage, but Pac dodges him. Pac uh, connects with a sliding single leg dropkick, but runs into a diving crossbody. Butcher takes over. Pac is able to find some space with a kick to the face. What was it? A poet and I didn't even know it. But Butcher barrels over him again. We had to break. During this break at some point, Eddie Kingston refers to Tony Schiavone as his Toby. Uh, amongst other things. Back from commercial, Pac is fighting back with leg kicks. He connects with a basement super kick and a shotgun drop kick. Pac goes up top, but Blade... Uh, provides a distraction by sending Penta into the ring post. This allows Butcher to hit a pop-up slam and a powerbomb. Butcher starts to waste time as Kingston loses it on commentary. Yeah, Butcher's just standing there with, like, Pac's head in his hands, just, like, kind of batting it around. Kingston's like, don't waste time. Fucking get this done. Kingston comes to ringside, but Lance Archer appears on the ramp to prevent him from interfering. Pac catches Butcher with a kick and lands a black arrow for the win. Uh, in terms of showcases of the Butcher, this was really good. He's got new ring gear. It looks good. His mustache is bigger and bushier than ever. Uh, you know we're, we're fans of Butcher and Blade here on the podcast. They're our boys. Uh, Butcher had a singles match with Moxley where he looked blown up like he was tired two minutes into the thing. That was not the case here. Butcher looks strong. He looked crisp. Pac, what is there to say? Pac is fucking incredible. He's one of the greatest uh, athletes on the fucking roster here. Um, I don't know where this program is going. Like, nobody in this program is really pursuing a, a title other than Ray Phoenix, who, who wasn't here. Uh, just, like, a blow-off with Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston, I guess, is where this is going. Uh, or... Like, like we've said on previous weeks, there's going to be a three 
man tag belt and all these guys would fit perfectly into that and you should you should anoint uh, one of them uh, teams as their champions I mean will Butcher and Blade hold championship belts in 2021 we can only hope after the match Pac and Archer stare each other down in the ring they kind of like a mutual respect or a enemy of my enemy kind of thing going on I guess Jade Cargill is backstage oh joy she congratulates Brandy Rhodes on her pregnancy Jade says uh, the timing is awfully convenient uh, she wants a worthy opponent in AEW uh, again uh, who, who, the, who the fuck is Jade Cargill? A Google search would tell you she is an athletic model and, uh, guess, a pro wrestler. Uh, I, I do like the heel calling out her opponent or, or the person she is feuding with for getting pregnant uh, as an excuse to not have to fight her or something. That's, that's good. This is the best appearance of Jade Cargill, for what's that worth. Uh, Tony Schiavone is with Kip Sabian, Penelope, and Miro. Sabian discusses how important the upcoming wedding is for AEW. Sabian tries to announce the wedding date, but the best friend's music plays. Uh, it's all a ruse. They reveal that uh, backstage somewhere, Trent is being loaded into an ambulance because his biceps fucked up. And they reveal the wedding date as February 9th on an episode of Dynamite entitled Beach Break. Also the name of Orange Cassidy's finishing maneuver. Evil Uno versus Dustin Rhodes. Uno attacks before the opening bell with a slap to the face. Dustin fights back with a corner. Uh, some corner punches. Uno avoids a power slam and connects with a dropkick. He misses a chop and his hand collides with the ring post. Dustin lays uh, in a series of strikes. Uno lands a top rope swanton for a near fall. We head to commercial. Back from break. Uno hits a pile driver. Uh, whoa, what happened here? Uh, Uno hits a pile driver for a close two count. They exchange punches and kicks to the face. Dustin hits a running bulldog for the victory. Dustin working his way through the dark order here. Um, with what just happened with Brody Lee, I don't want to kind of sit here and and dream book what happens to the dark order from here. But I got some ideas, and it's all good, respectful stuff. And I hope uh, AEW's thinking the same way I am. Uh, after the match, Uno offers a handshake, but Dustin kicks he kick. He just kicks, according to this this recap. Stu Grayson attacks Uno. That's not right. Lee Johnson tries to make the save to no avail. QT Marshall also fails. Lee Johnson fights off the Dark Order with a double springboard dropkick as the Nightmare Family stands tall. Is Lee Johnson part of the Nightmare Family now? Uh, I'm going to say that meant was meant to say Stu Grayson attacks Dustin. Tony Schiavone is with Sean Spears. Tony Schiavone is a very busy man on this episode of Dynamite. He's with Sean Spears. Despite having a down year, his confidence is still high. Tony tries to offer constructive advice, but that doesn't go over well. Spears says he's leaving AEW, and he will come back when he feels like it. I believe Sean Spears maybe will be going to Impact for a time. Hopefully he gets to be in some matches there. There's nothing against Sean Spears. Uh, but as time goes on, I think Sean Spears, the man, has bought, bought into uh, that he is maybe a, a someone who's higher on the totem pole than, than he actually is. He is a talented wrestler. In terms of a personality, though, uh, th this is where he has continuously failed. And there was a lot of guys who came over from WWE and it was like, ah, fresh start. And you've seen... That they are very different. Uh, John Moxley is your biggest fucking example there of someone who put their money where their mouth is. Was saying, if if you took these shackles off me, there is no limit to to how high I can climb. Sean Spears is definitely another one of those individuals. Uh, but here we are. Um, he he's 
I don't want to say he's failed because uh, he's he's great. Uh, he's a great, as Cody would put it, a great hand. Uh, but in terms of his personality, in terms of his character, in terms of me wanting to see this guy on the show, he's he's well below a lot of the lesser known uh, members of the Dark Order at this point. Um, and the, you know they gave him the loaded glo- glove gimmick. They gave him Tully Blanchard, and it's just still not doing it. So while yes, this is ninety nine percent an angle that he is leaving AEW. Uh, you know, there's also something to be said where this guy's like a whiny heel now. Uh, and I don't know how much more I want to see of him, man, trying to dance around hurting this man's feelings. It's not going well for me. Uh, Dash, Dash Gonzalez, Dash Gonzalez is with Hikaru Shida. Abaden tries to attack her, just comes flying off of the screen at her. Uh, but staff members separate them, including Michael Nakazawa. Who has not been seen in a very long time. Hikaru Shida then faces Alex Gar- Gracia. Yeah? Not Garcia. Not by this spelling. Uh, they trade drop kicks. Gracia uh, tries a flash roll up to no avail. She catches Shida with a running kick. Shida hits a standing delayed vertical suplex. She connects with a running knee lift as Gracia is draped over the apron. Abaddon appears at ringside and Sheeta immediately attacks her in the ring. Sheeta blocks a head scissors and hits a falcon arrow for the win. Uh, they've hit a delicate balance here for Karo Sheeta being both dist- not scared of Abaddon, but being disturbed by her and Abaddon getting that uh, sucker punch in. Getting that, I-, I can fly at you in any second and try to bite your neck. Uh, and you can't really blame Sheeta for her frightened reactions uh, to to this, this thing's... Uh, Attacks after the match, Abaddon and Sheeta brawl at ringside. Abaddon violently bites Sheeta on the neck. Sheeta is bleeding as Abaddon stands tall. The fucking yeah. The only reason Abaddon works is that just looking at Abaddon, uh, she is legitimately upsetting to look at uh, in a way that the Fiend was at first. But now we've done so much goofy shit with that with him and literally set him on fire. Uh, it's kind of lost some of it. Uh, next week, Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix for the AEW World Title. John Moxley returns. Hikaru Shida versus Abaddon for the AEW Women's Title, and Wardlow versus Jake Hagar. Of course, all of that is now subject, uh, as I believe they have scrapped that card. They will move it to another date uh, in lieu of doing the tribute show for Brody Lee. AEW World t- uh, Tag Team Titles: The Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson versus the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. Matt catches Caster with a series of arm drags. The Bucks suplex Caster onto Bowens and hit a double team dropkick. Matt spears Caster onto the floor, and Nick adds a springboard splash off the barricade in the ring. Uh, Nick catches Bowens with a springboard double stomp. The acclaim find an opening uh, to work over Matt. Nick interjects with a springboard crossbody onto Bowens. He finds success with his slingshot facebuster moonsault combination. Caster slams Nick onto the apron, and the acclaim take over as we head to commercial back from break. Nick is still being isolated. He dodges a double uh, clothesline and makes the tag. Matt cleans house with a series of punches. He catches the acclaim with a double DDT. Nick punts Caster from the apron. Matt hits a rolling Northern Lights suplex on uh, on Bowens. He transitions into a sharpshooter or a scorpion deathlock. Caster breaks up the hold momentarily, but Matt reapplies it. Bowens is able to reach the bottom rope, and the Bucks hit a doomsday device on Bowens for a near fall. Caster sends Matt into the crowd and hits a suplex on Nick. The acclaimed hit a suplex crossbody combination for a two count. Everyone trades strikes. Nick accidentally super kicks the referee, Rick Knox. Caster low blows Nick and Bowens hits him with the boombox for a near fall. Matt powerbombs Bowens through the ringside table. The Bucks hit the BTE trigger to retain their title. 
in 14 minutes and 46 seconds. And that's the end of the show. Uh, we had two very unproven teams on TV fight here tonight. Top Flight, which did fine. And the Acclaimed here, which did great. And uh, Jurassic Express earlier on, which I also consider kind of like a novice team still. Not not extra extra clean. They were fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed the show, top to bottom, in terms of wrestling. Maybe it's because I wasn't painstakingly taking my own notes during it. Maybe there's something to that. Uh, but I thought this was, was pretty good. It didn't have all the faces you would necessarily want to see in the ring. I think they've they've held off on us hearing from John Moxley for a bit too long, in my opinion. Uh, also no Cody on the show that I that I recall. Uh, but this was fine. And uh, in terms of, yeah, putting on those, those really novice teams in Top Flight and the Acclaimed uh, on TV like this, they did great. Um, nothing really to complain about there. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, midway through before the music break uh we will be taking a break for this next week if i was to look at a calendar da, 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 you will hear from me again and the sultans of slam on january 10th we will cover the brody leak tribute show as well as the following dynamite the first dynamite of 2021 so to all of you who don't listen to public beta podcast please have a happy new year a safe new year um yeah what, what more is there to say? Pro wrestling will go on. The show must go on. Uh, but it will uh, sting. It'll hurt. No no pun intended. It'll hurt for a long time, having lost Brody. Um, but like I said, there there's so much positivity about that man out there. There's there's such a glow uh, coming off of, of the memories of him. I can't imagine how his family is feeling. But it sounds like uh, the boys have their back. And that's... If it, you know, in anything in 2020 to see how uh, wrestlers uh, operate as a family and get around their own is is very heartwarming. In in this case, is no exception. That's going to do it for the show. Uh, at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Leah.com is my email address if you want to send a question, topic, whatever you have. Public Beta Podcast Going Strong will be new this Wednesday, talking more about Cyberpunk. And, of course, the four-hour-long Pokemon compilation was released on Christmas. If you have nothing better to do with your time, and I know you don't, maybe go take a listen to that. At least the opening few hours when we discuss uh, Pokemon before they more canonized what Pokemon were. And uh, the origin story is a lot of fun uh, to rediscover in real time, me and Reed. So if you're looking for a laugh, let me tell you, there's a few in there. And that's the Sultans of... Slam! Everybody-